Welcome to season two of Unstoppable Minds, a University of Florida podcast that looks at the big challenges we face in the world and how members of the UF community boldly tackle them. I'm Dr. Kyla McMullen, an assistant professor of computer and information science and engineering at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And I'm Dr. Jeremy Waysom, a lecturer in the engineering education department in the Herbert Wertheim College of Engineering. Big discoveries don't happen without overcoming formidable challenges. So we're sitting down with some of our colleagues at UF who are leading the way in identifying creative solutions in research, student success, and academic exploration in their unstoppable quest for knowledge. Today, we welcome Dr. Maya Israel, an Associate Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Florida's College of Education. She is also the Research Director of the Creative Technology Research Lab and a member of the Institute for Advanced Learning Technologies. Maya, it's so great to have you on today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to kind of dive into the work that you're doing. It's really exciting work. And I think between Kyla and I, you know, the work you're doing kind of transcends both of us. (laughs) So Maya is incredibly humble about her whole position, about her journey, but she is a powerhouse in the College of Education. Her research is leading the work on supporting academically diverse learners and making sure that they have meaningful engagement in science, technology, engineering, and math. And she specifically emphasizes computer science education along with UDL, which is Universal Design for Learning. So Maya, how did you even get into this? Like, why is this a thing for you? So I started off as a special education teacher. So when folks look at me in my academic career in educational technology, that's not typically something that they know about me. I spent many years working with students with disabilities, um, specifically in math and science instruction. And so thinking about learners who typically don't find a lot of success in school, what brought me into this was what were the things that really engaged them? Where could students find success and how could we build upon that success? And so as a classroom teacher, I started to pay attention to uh, the times when students had a chance to be creative, where they were doing projects that were personally meaningful to them, and then how we could use technology to leverage that. That's really cool. It is really cool. Can you explain UDL in a way that would help everyone listening understand what it really is? Sure. I'm going to try to. I know. It's it's a lot. uh, So (laughs) Universal Design for Learning, it's uh, based on a whole lot of neuroscience. It's kind of an, an oversimplification, but I think for our purposes, it's okay. So the whole idea is that learner variability is the way it is. Like if we look at the way we all learn, it's just there's a lot of variability there. So going into a classroom, the assumption is that there's going to be a whole lot of diversity in terms of our background knowledge, our interests, the way that we access information. And so UDL has these three different um, principles that essentially if you plan instruction proactively through them, you're creating a more inclusive environment. So for example, um, how can we engage kids who are coming into a classroom with different background knowledge and areas of interest? How can we present information to them in different ways so that they're able to access the information? And then how can we um, 
assess their understanding and have them demonstrate their learning in ways that leverage their strengths. So it's really about flexible instruction. So as compared to the way when I was a new teacher, there was here was the main lesson plan, and I was going to create another lesson plan for you know those kids. Now the idea is, can I create an instructional lesson that is flexible enough to include all learners? Why do you think it is that UDL is just now like taking off? It seems like teachers should know and have lots of experience with students to know that everyone learns differently. Like, why is it just now becoming such a large thing? That's a good question. I think、um, UDL came out of the special ed world. It came out of accessibility. It was never designed to be something for special education, though. It was designed to be something for inclusive classrooms.、Um, it did. Make its way to the general education legislation. So every the Every Student Succeeds Act, which is our most recent, it was what No Child Left Behind turned into, has universal design for learning in it. And so the fact that it's in the Gen Ed legislation is has put it out there as a framework in a way that is visible to a broader audience. When you say accessibility, you're not just referring to.、Um... The students actually being able to learn the content. You're also referring to the access to the resources for students to be able to learn、uh, computer science as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think we have to start the conversation around accessibility. Can a student engage with the material? Engage、mm-hmm. with the technology. That's like the lowest bar, right? <laughs>、yeah. But that's honestly where we are in a lot of cases. Like, if you don't design technology for a broad range of learners,、um, you're leaving students out.、Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a wide range, but we have to start where people are. And so I think accessibility is a super important conversation to start with. So, for example, if school districts are adopting. Curricula are they thinking about accessibility?、Um, and accessibility, as you know, it's not a one thing, right? There is、yeah. cognitive accessibility, there's sensory accessibility, there's physical accessibility. So it's actually、um, a much more complex、mm-hmm. issue than you know than what we're currently describing,、mm-hmm. right? And the stars are kind of aligning, right, <laughs> to make us. Start to think about what it would mean for every child to have access to high-quality computer science education. So,、um, in the state of Florida, for example, there is now legislation that states that all middle and high schools need to have computer science offerings. Like every single middle school and high school has to have this. So、um, that's exciting. Yeah, that's so important. I just feel like technology and especially computer science education has been taught in one way for so long, and if you're someone who has the propensity for it, but it's just not taught in your way, then you miss out on a career option. Whereas if you design it starting out being accessible, you know, then you can engage lots more people. So that's that's really cool to me. I think it's worth mentioning that. The state of Florida has a strong commitment to improving computer science accessibility、uh, across the state, and I'm really excited to see what that does to transform our K-12 system. Computer science is one of those things that we see it applied in a lot of different domains, right? And so, you know, when people think of a computer scientist, they're not thinking of someone who's 
using it for, you know, maybe a scientific purpose. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that you've connected it to both math and science. Um, but I can imagine that the teachers in the K-12 system, which is where your work primarily is focused, are a little intimidated to use the tool that computer science is in, in that space. So we have a brand new computer science education program for in-service teachers that you probably know about because some of your colleagues, Christina Gardner-McCune and Christy Boyer, are part of, where we're developing courses for um, teachers who are not computer science teachers so that they can have both the technical knowledge and the pedagogical knowledge as well. So these kinds of programs are happening here at UF, but they're now happening all over the state of Florida because that infrastructure is being built, both around expectation for computer science to be available in school and then for the infrastructure for school districts to provide the kind of supports that their teachers need. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, I really think that focusing on and providing so many resources for teachers is really important. When I was in grad school, we had a similar grant in Michigan, um, and I had to teach computer science, like literally just introduction to let's sit in front of the computer and write a small program. So I really like that you're focusing on first, like getting the teachers really comfortable, because that is definitely key. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that Maya is not a computer scientist like Oh, myself. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so when we think about what computer science is used for and how it's used in different disciplinary areas, we're always challenged to think beyond what we typically think of, which is, you know, kind of software development. And so when I work with teachers and I think about, um, especially in the context of math instruction. How can children demonstrate their mathematical understanding using computing in a creative way? That's when we often start the conversations with children. So for example, can a student animate a mathematical story problem in the scratch programming environment compared to doing math boxes, right? That is a way that a student could show that they understand something like number line or fractional parts, but do it in a personally relevant way. So the amount of coding that a student does could be very variable. You have students who've done a lot of coding and students who've had very little experience with coding, but they can all create a scene in the Scratch programming environment. They can all create a story, for example, of how you know some sprite or character is moving along the, story, uh, the number line. And so what we're doing is we're leveraging the computational tools to help teachers think about how they can integrate it to teach the content that they're responsible for teaching in a way that is super engaging to their learners. I think that's really creative, just having like all of these different kinds of ways to express yourself with math. And, you know, this seems like it would help people beyond students with disabilities, right? So that's a really good point. Um, the work I do is primarily focused on students with disabilities because they've been ignored in this space. But the message that we have for teachers is that this is all about inclusive education, right? This is not a quote unquote, you know, intervention for kids with disabilities. This is the way I want my child to learn math. It happens to be more engaging and accessible and meaningful to a broader range of students that you know, beyond those that just wake up in the morning and say, I'm so excited to learn math. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, I think it's a really kind of unique way to kind of insert math into the curriculum. It's almost like you're tricking them into, into using math because people are really afraid of, you know, 
looking at algebra, for example, and, you know, it, it kind of gives people anxiety, everyone anxiety, <laughs> you know, even people who really love math. If you see a complex enough problem, it's, oh, no, what do I do? Um, and I think computing and using like tools that like gamify these really complex ideas is kind of a great equalizer in a lot of ways. That's what we hope, right? So our research studies are looking into that. So, you know, it brings up a, a second point, too. So math sometimes is difficult and computing sometimes is difficult. Often yeah. it's difficult, right? So this gives us a chance not only to help students access content that's difficult, but it also gives them a chance to practice working through difficult projects. Our hypothesis and what we're studying in part, is when we're teaching students to engage in programming and we're teaching them explicitly those strategies for how to debug a program, how to deal with those complex emotions of frustration, that that persistence is something that's going to transcend beyond these small computational experiences into other academic content areas as well. So we're looking at time on task and frustration and productive, um, help-seeking. Now, that's really, really cool. Like, mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, they're learning how to have these, like, life skills to stick with problems, to get this resilience at a young age so that, you know, they don't get um, discouraged whenever they're challenged with things. Like, I think that is really, really important. The National Science Foundation has uh, the CS for All research practice partnership grants. And so uh, we've been doing a lot of work in my lab with individual school districts who are committed to inclusion and access. And so what this particular project is doing is it's bringing a lot of people to the table. So New York City Public Schools, San Francisco Unified Schools, Broward County, um, our own PK Young, which is here at the University of Florida, to come together around this shared problem of practice, right? So the problem of practice is that students with disabilities often are not included in computer science education, not because teachers don't want to include them, but because they may not have the strategies to include all students. They may not know about accessibility. They may not know about kind of that balance of um, explicit instruction and open inquiry or universal design for learning. And so it's bringing people to the table to understand the problem of practice. So to what extent are students included or not included? What are the barriers to inclusion? And then what are the supports that we can create together that the school districts that have very different contexts can use and modify for their own uh, district needs? So I'm so excited about this project. Well, Maya, thank you so much for being here and talking with us today. We learned so much, even though we're already in these fields and know some things like it was just incredible learning about the research that you're doing and how you're at the forefront of making sure that academically diverse learners feel like they have a place to meaningfully engage in computer science and education. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is Unstoppable Minds, a podcast out of the University of Florida. I'm Dr. Kyla McMullen. And I'm Dr. Jeremy Waysom. Thanks for joining us. Unstoppable Minds is a University of Florida podcast. Season two was produced, developed, and edited by Emily Cardinale and Patricia Vernon, with many thanks to Matthew Abramson and James Sullivan from WUFT. We would also like to thank the UF Office of Strategic Communications and Marketing video team, 
Brianne Leanne, Wise Clairvoyant, and Brian Sandusky. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more information about our show and the awesome students, faculty, and staff at the University of Florida by visiting our website at ufl.edu slash unstoppable minds. Until next time, go Gators! Gators!